0: Oh, how are y'all doing folks? Been a while, been a while, been a while. Told myself uh, I'd try to do one of these once a week. It's been about almost two weeks. Uh, Had an unforeseen doctor issue, uh, medical issue. I will not worry you with right now uh, because I want to open with a story. We left off in 1932, 1933, so let's flash forward to 1972. My daughter Janice graduating from University of California Berkeley Cal go Bears, very very excited very proud. Uh, don't get any ideas though. Uh, you know late sixties early seventies at Berkeley. My uh, my daughter was not a hippie. Not there's anything wrong with that. Just uh, people get the idea. I thought I thought she was maybe. Not when she started going there. She starts going there in nineteen sixty seven. Don't think anything of it, really, you know, not really aware of a lot of the youthful stuff going on. Uh, next year, summer of 68, I'm at the Democratic National Convention in Chicago. Uh, me and uh, Congressman Edwards uh, head to Grant Park to meet with some of these kids, you know, talk to them, hand out some cigarettes, hand out some Chester Fields to these youngsters. Good kids, a lot of them, you know, politically astute, involved, uh, many eager to be involved in the Democratic Party, not for my guy, Humphrey, but... That's okay. Uh, some of them, though, you know, were a little uh, weird. Uh, long story short, uh, it's called mescaline. So be careful. <laughs> but anyways, I come home. I come home, have all these ideas in my head from these this handful of weirdo kids. And I'm like, uh, honey, is, that, is Janice, you know, at Berkeley, is she uh, a hippie? My wife looks at me with a straight face and says... Mr. Democrat, please. Janice irons her jeans, which uh, I guess is a, is a definitive no on the hippie question. So I'm not sure exactly why, if, if the counterculture you know, embraced the concept of wrinkles, or, or maybe the iron is the first thing to go in your uh, relinquishing of material goods. I don't know, but either way. So she's graduating from Berkeley. I am uh, coming back into the Bay Area from a place called Marysville, California which is a region referred to by its inhabitants as the state of Jefferson. And there's a, a bunch of conservative folks up there who want to break it off and form a separate state. They actually want California to be broken up into six states, right? But of course, they get the cool fucking name because they started the idea, you know? It's like, hey, you, oh, you, oh, we, we get to separate? Cool, what's our name? Oh, you guys get to be Lower California. Oh, okay, what do you get to be, Upper California? Oh, no, we get to be Jefferson. Ooh jefferson so it'll be nice though when they're separate states it'll be nice when you're a separate state and your kid wants to go to berkeley and you got to pay out-of-state tuition Kabish. yeah that'll be fun think about these things folks they don't think about these things a lot you know not a lot of thinking in conservatism however i will say uh one of the most moving experiences during the national anthem we had up there we were at a, a semi-pro summer league game uh, in marysville go marysville Gold Sox! My wife and I, my wife came up for the weekend. We uh, go to this game, about 2,000 people, like a minor league game. They don't even have to announce to have folks rise for the national anthem. They do the opening lineups, the starting lineups for both teams, manage to shake hands, go back to the dugouts. Boom, everybody stands up. 2,000 people in unison stand up, complete and total silence, complete and total deference to the flag. Not even that, you know, land of the free woo, part that people do because they're drunk or they're stupid. I hate that. You know, very moving experience. A lot of veterans up there, like that, the flag, the the patriotic thing means something. So I I respect that. That's good. My uncle Leo is in the Pacific. So he was a medic, but he saw, you know, that's, hey, even if you were a medic, if you were a medic on, uh, on Iwo Jima, you saw a lot of horrific shit. Okay. You didn't have to necessarily shoot at anybody. And actually they, they say only one out of four infantrymen in World War II shot at anybody, which is a weird statistic. Most people, I guess, put their heads down to you and know, wait for it to stop. Shoot yourself in the foot, get a Purple Heart. I don't know if I've, I've used that one before, but it's funny. But, so I'm coming back from Marysville, 1972. I was up there doing a, a California for Muskie event, which, at this point, late spring, 72, uh, the Muskie campaign had already taken a nosedive because, uh, you know, snowflakes become tears, and then tears wash away votes. Kabish? But that's the story for another time. We're not there yet. We're far from far removed. Uh, so I'm coming through. I have to stop in San Jose, obviously, to, before I get to you know before I go up to the East Bay. So I come through the North Bay and then hit the Golden Gate Bridge. You know that experience. You ever do that? You're coming through and you hit see that bridge. It's beautiful. It's majestic, Autistic. It's an engineering feat. It represents. Ambition and Manifest Destiny and all of these things that we associate with Americana, whether they are misguided or not. And on top of all of that, it was completed with WPA funding. Capish? Yeah. That's my point. You ever look at uh, Migrant Mother? The picture of Migrant Mother, arguably the most iconic photo in American history, Right? That woman with her children, the dust bowl. Very dejected, very uh, weathered look, but also very determined. Picture taken by Dorothea Lange, who was employed by the WPA as a photographer, right? You ever read a book about Reconstruction, the Civil War and Reconstruction, and the life for former slaves? When you get to a, a part where there's quotation marks, and there's a quotation from an actual person who was a slave, who was alive during Reconstruction, the black experience during Reconstruction. Look at the notes of that book where you're reading that. It'll say three letters in the bibliographical notes, FWP, Federal Writers Project, a branch of the WPA. Kabish? Eight and a half million people put to work by Harold Hopkins, who headed the agency and not just with the shovels and the pitchforks and the, the imagery you see you know you think of day labor and, and and building roads and stuff that work is extremely important that's infrastructure but it's it's more than that you know it's art it's intellectual stuff academic stuff amazing amazing not just rebuilding america but rebuilding it in a very beautiful image with public sector dollars run and coordinated by the public sector you get this bullshit you know oh a communism or the state-run stuff takes away our, our individual you know it makes it like fucking Soviet television we're all watching the Dancing Bear for three hours no 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 you had some of the most uh, wonderful writers performers artists engineers you know get these are folks who you, you get out of college with a with a degree in engineering or something it's 1930 3536 it's the depression. Right? The private sector ain't hiring you. Guess what? Mr. Delano Roosevelt himself has a job for you. Boom. You know what I'm saying? Remember this argument back in the uh, uh, the uh, presidential election, uh, the last one we had with the uh, Sesame Street issue, with the firing of Big Bird? Yeah. You know, would we have Sesame Street without the public sector, without the public broadcasting system? Get some... some Fucking hippie walking around in the mid-late 1960s sticking his fist up puppet's asses. Sticking his fist up puppet's asses. That's a hard one to say. Who takes a chance on him? CBS, ABC? No, no. Public broadcasting. You're welcome. So That's point number one. What was my second point? Point number two. The WPA, 1935, the second New Deal, eight and a half million people hired. Uh fundamentally changing the role of government along with Social Security and along with the Wagner Act which creates union recognition, collective bargaining rights right? Unfortunately for the the second two, Social Security and collective bargaining rights, uh, agricultural and domestic workers are systematically excluded from these things. Why? Because the Southern Democrats, the Democratic Party has a coalition that still includes white Southerners, hashtag racists. Now, it ain't that they oppose getting government shit. It ain't that they oppose big government. It's that they oppose this stuff going to blacks. And also, in the West Coast, California, going to Latinos, going to Asians. Right? So who's doing most of the domestic labor and agricultural labor in the South and in the West? Oh, that's why, you know, the, the farm workers don't organize till much later when they get that protection. And that's a major point, too. That's an important point. You know, these guys were Democrats. These guys were in Congress. They were voting for New Deal legislation. They were voting for this fundamental transformation in government. They were voting for all the kickbacks and the good shit that comes with it. So long as it didn't go to, to, the, to the brothers or to the Latinos. You know what I'm saying? Think about that. Think about that. We have we have issues with all oh, big government. Big government, health, the Affordable Care Act. Oh yeah. If you if you st- if you take a stethoscope and stick it to the chest of a black kid, that's big government. But if you shoot the kid or if you fly a plane over a country full of black people or brown people, you drop a fucking bomb on them, that's defending freedom. That's not big government. Yeah. Real consistency. So, that's the second new deal. Imagine imagine the the you can i don't even some people might know the feeling in the last few years i cannot tell you uh, how good it made people feel in ulster county in ulster county where we were there's there's post offices that, that got re refurbished and rebuilt roads and all sorts all sorts of good stuff artists who painted murals in these in these post offices and these government buildings all sorts of different ways that that now we had already been building a coalition we had already been sort of pushing the democratic party in upstate new york and in 1935 and through the early part of 1936, there are tangible results. They see people going to work and they see people coming home from work. The level of pride, the level of dignity that comes with the ability to get up in the morning, excuse me, the ability to get up in the morning and go to work and to come home. From a day's work, and who's responsible for that? Turn on the radio and listen. He's talking to you, fireside chat, Mister Franklin Delano Roosevelt, greatest president this country's ever had. Those people think he would still be president if he had not died. You know, and they're not alone. They have all, people all over. You go anywhere in this country, it's like my uh, my my daughter-in-law's mother. She's Catholic. Got a picture. Got a picture. A little picture of whoever's pope at the time. A bigger picture right above it of Mary, and then right above both of them, a giant portrait, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. She thinks he would still be president if he were alive. Janine is her name, Janine. Good woman. Hotel restaurant worker for for a number of years. And a a member for a long time of hotel and restaurant employees, right, with collective bargaining rights. Thanks to Mr. Franklin Delano Roosevelt, Capish? And so all these changes are happening in Ulster County, and people see it, and it's to the point where we turn so many people on to this idea of the party. They see us. We tell them in 32, this is what's going to happen. They see it happen. They hear the the, the the wheelchair guy, Mr. FDR, talking to him. They don't know he's in a wheelchair necessarily because there's no television. They hear him talking about, I'm going to do this for you. And then they see it happen. People go into work, leave into work. They see na- they see themselves, but then they see their neighbors. They see themselves at now now at restaurants and stuff because they're able to spend money. The people that own the restaurants see them spending money. Wait, 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 wait well, all of a sudden, you're coming back to be a customer? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm helping them to rebuild the post office. Oh, yeah, who hired you to do that? Mr. Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Boom, Capiche. To the point where... In 1936, this coalition is solidified. Right? FDR wins re-election. Not only that, we win the supervisorship of Ulster County. First time. First time since the Civil War, we come out on top. And let me tell you something, it was the last fucking time. Because once we took over, we squeezed that county like a goddamn grapefruit. Capish? They makes me, they makes me acting road commissioner appointed by chairman of the uh, state party, Mr. Folly, acting road commissioner entrusted with the uh, uh, construction and maintenance of all roads, bridges, tunnels, occasionally a highway, but uh, no interstate back then. That was a good gig, you know. Hey, uh, boss, where are we building a road today? What's it called? Uh, It's called my mother's fucking driveway, asshole. Get to work. Okay, okay, okay. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. The the well, okay. In all seriousness, the 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 grapefruit squeezing reference, uh, I made that up. This is not this is not Tammany Hall run. This is not Gilded Age Tammany Hall. This is the modern Democratic Party, fucking technocrats and shit. It's on the up and up. Okay, I just like to say the word grapefruit because I like grapefruit. You know, it ain't something you like when you when you're a kid. You're a kid. You're at the table. There's only one glass of grapefruit juice you ever see, and it belongs to your dad. He drinks it, and he looks miserable. And until you get older, you realize that your dad is just miserable because he's married and has kids. The grapefruit juice got nothing to do with it. You try it, it's wonderful. So so that part, no, this is, this is an up-and-up thing. However, the uh, paving of the mother's driveway, that did happen. That did happen. But I'll explain. Uh, I'll explain. So number one some of you are probably saying who the fuck has their own driveway in New York City in 1935 36 exactly exactly there were other people it was a subdivided brownstone so this thing benefited like four or five families not to mention that she don't even live there anymore and the neighborhood's predominantly black so it's black people living there Mr. Democrat are you trying to suggest that because you indirectly down the road benefited black people that it makes it better yes I am I am arguing that and you know I'm right because you're thinking it thank you which brings me to the second point. It's still there. It's still there, pristine condition. Because the reason I did this, we had some surplus concrete. All right, It was a Saturday. We had a few bags left over. Hey, let's hop in a truck and go do this for my mother. I could have hired somebody in the city. However, this WPA concrete, It's I, we didn't do any like chemical tests to it because we didn't know about that shit. We didn't have CSI back then. It had a sort of bluish tint to it. Maybe that was it. I don't know. Maybe it was the uh, shape of the of the little pebbles they put into it. This stuff was fucking gold, dude. Let me tell you. I even just said, dude, that's how that's how good it is. You know, I think I got that from my grandson. I heard I heard him earlier today. He came home and and he was talking to a friend. He said something about Panama gold, dude. So gold, dude. Panama gold. I don't know what that is. Maybe he invested in a bank. But this concrete is pristine. Look around. There's sidewalk all over. You'll see that stamp, WPA, 1936, 1938. Uh, We have some right out here, here, 1941. Boom, stamped on there. This is, there's there's something about the concrete. I don't know what it was. People like to think, you know, I brought this up and people say, well, it's just because we hadn't worked in a long time. And so we put really good effort into it. You know, I'd like to think that, but trust me, there's something about this concrete that the government had that was just... Uh, pristine and it's still perfect. Look around and you'll see it everywhere and then look at the stuff that's that was done privately. I got a neighbor, you know, we have WPA concrete all along the sidewalk. My fucking neighbor uh, 20 years ago, he was reading uh a- Ayn Rand, the Fountainhead. Ooh. So he was all like, oh I gotta get rid this this is an abomination, this public sector concrete. He has a jackhammered up, brings in some guy like Lima and Sons, lays the shit down, and in 10 years the shit's cracked. It's fucked. And the WPA stuff is still there. Public sector, doing it better. You're welcome. So we win. the Supervisorship of Ulster County. I am a, a acting roads commissioner uh, for a little while, and I'm actually going to uh, end up. This is. I'm going to end up running for a position in the state party, uh, which is the only time my name ever appears on a ballot. Uh, it's a, and uh, I'll talk. I'll talk about that briefly. It involves my brother Jackie, my sister Connie, a little bit, uh, and then. Be heading back, to, and then after that, I head back to California. So we'll cover that in the next episode. Uh, yeah, how's that feel, guys? Good thing. Good thing. Moral of the story uh, don't believe all this entrepreneurial captain of industry Horatio Alge's bullshit. Okay. And hey, this is coming from a small business owner. Kabish, I own a furniture store. All right. Furniture made of grapefruit or something. I don't know. Anyways, till to be continued, hopefully sooner than the gap between this episode and the previous one.